You ready, Sean? Yes, Chris, of course. Okay. After I introduce myself, you must recite the words. And I'm Sean Hills. This is Circle Takes. And I'm Sean Hills. This is Circle Takes. Okay. Well, repeat them. And I'm Sean Hills. This is Circle Takes. Again. I got it. I got it. I know your damn words, okay? I'm Chris Campo. And I'm Sean Hills. This is Circle Tame. Tapes. (sighs) Table. It's a T word. Definitely a T word. (sighs) I'm Sean Hills. And this is Circle. All right, welcome to the show. Uh, today we are doing uh, 1992's Army of Darkness. It was 92, right, Sean? 93. Damn it. For some reason, I keep thinking it's 92, but it's not. I looked it up a couple times. It debuted at a festival in Spain in 92. And then I think, you know, it actually debuted theatrically in 93. Well, I think we're both wrong. It says it's a 92 American horror fantasy film. All right. Release dates, 92. Oh, you're right. I'm right. You're right. I'm right. We're all right. Mm-hmm. We're all hey. right. <laughs> yeah, right. February 19th, 93 for the U.S. Do you have a brief premise prepared? Um, I have my own brief premise, but I don't think you're going to like it. Lay it on me. <laughs> <sighs> this this goes into your this I mean this this dives into the whole guy reacts a guy named uh Bruce Campbell. Nope, that's the actor. A guy named Ash who works at a uh, electronics store or like a big box store is uh taken back through time and he must fight um a dead army to uh get back into his own time. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Yeah. Directed by Sam Raimi. Yeah, directed by the great Written Sam. By Sam Raimi and Ivan Raimi. Mm-hmm. Cinematography by Bill Pope. Starring Bruce Campbell, of course. Mm-hmm. Embeth Davids. Marcus Gilbert. Ian Abercrombie. Richard Grove. Timothy Patrick Quill. Michael Earl Reed. Bridget Fonda. Mm-hmm. I could go on. I think you got the basics. But I got the basics. Yeah. Should we jump into gut reactions? Let's jump into gut reactions. I'll take this one. Do it. <laughs> uh, gut, gut reactions uh, and then why mixed with why it's known and not known. So uh, yeah, gut reactions on here is this. It's uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, man. I listen, listen. I'm trying to be a professional. <laughs> it's just hard. So I traditionally do not enjoy anything that's got to do with anything medieval. And I usually lump that up unfairly and incorrectly with like if it's Lord of the Rings or the 
castle or the the hobbit or vikings or anything in the olden times uh, even west some westerns i just it's so hard for me it's so really hard for me but let me break that down anything like fantastical anything yeah which which is kind of how come you like star wars because that takes place a long time ago star trek um i think here's the thing i it, it, it is a bit hypocritical because of my adoration and love for Star Trek. I do like Star Wars uh, Trek more so. Sure. But I don't know what it is about. I think with fantasy, it's it's got to be it's got to be made for me. It's got to be made for like my my palate. Um, not to mention, though, there's uh, do you there's, think it has something to do with fantasy movies being like so white? Like you don't see yourself represented, you know. There's no John Leguizamo fantasy movie. Not necessarily. I I appreciate the questions. I I want them to keep coming. Let let me knock some more of this out real quick. Yeah, knock it with, out. With um, I'd like to actually get into why it's known and not known. I I will say that even though I can't say I did not like this movie, I, I'm not going to say that I I appreciate it. It's a bit interesting does not hold my attention that well um maybe not even my type of humor also and but i will say this sean uh, yeah. we, we have said this about some of the other ones i do wonder how i would have felt if i got to see it as a kid back in the early 90s yeah that's what i was wondering because like the raimi bruce campbell combination it's very like early jim carrey who i know mm. you love but you also saw the Jim Carrey movies when you were that age. So, you know, mm-hmm. very slapstick, very animated, you know, almost feels like a cartoon on the screen. That type yeah. of vibe. Yeah. You mentioned Sam Raimi. What's, you know, no, not known. I, I know more about that just sort of as like a um, respectful um, film history, uh, you know, person, just like in the, the appreciation of, of film and, and, and where different people got inspiration and like what relationships um, have been formed, you know, back in the day. I mean, there's going to be a time, there probably is a time now where some people, some kids don't know that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck have a, a, a creative partnership that has not lasted forever, but they could yeah. do something in the future that people are going to think from back then from Goodwill Hunting. They're going to kind of put those together. So with like, uh, funny, I didn't know until Spider-Man 1, what, 2002, 2001, that um, Bruce Campbell making his, you know, he was cameoed in there and, and the rest right. of them, that he had that relationship with Sam Raimi. I didn't know what it was about. I did quick brief research. I saw that, oh, okay, so Sam Raimi directed those Ash versus the Evil Dead, even though I think that's the name of a show, and that that is yeah. kind of like his you know, started up together sort of thing. I don't know if it was his first film, but I know that they are, um, that they are connected to each other, uh, quite well. And because of those movies, uh, you know, you recommended this one or you, you put this one up on our slate and I said, uh, you know, grinded my teeth. Cause I just didn't know. I see, I saw army of darkness. I saw that title. I'm looking at the poster right now, the one sheet and he's got a chainsaw. There's a chick on, I guess a stone slab or no, is that a car? I can't I think tell it's the, just, it's 
I think it's his car. I'm not looking <laughs> at the poster, but I'm speaking from memory. It's yeah. probably his car. Yeah. And then I see these little guys trying to stab him. And now I know what those little guys are yep. um, from the director of Dark Man. Yeah. It was a little tough for me, um, but gut reactions are like, yeah, you know, it's it's okay. It, it allows me to fill some some gaps on things that I had always wondered about, but never really was sure of. And yeah, by the way, is this this is the third movie? Yeah, because you haven't seen any of the original Evil Dead's, right? Correct. And I'd like to ask you, and I hadn't either. When I first saw this when I was a teenager, oh, I just came into this cold. You wanted to replicate yeah. replicate your viewing experience with me. I appreciate that. And I, I'm curious now because I'm probably likely going to see Evil Dead 1 and 2 and see how the experience changes. Yeah. I, I think what you set me up for is is worth the, um, you know, the experience. Well, and it's also, as I learned later, I'll just spoil a little bit of weird history. This movie was designed to be... Uh, something people could just go into cold. That's why it's not called Evil Dead 3. Mm-hmm. Like Sam Raimi wanted to call it Mid-Evil Dead, which I think is clever, you know? And then like Evil Dead 3, colon Army of Darkness. No, nah, the studio was like, just call it Army of Darkness. And it gives you that little like intro at the beginning of the movie that recaps movies one and two. He was voiceovering that in- that intro, right? Yep. Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I do like how brief it was on it. It didn't spend too much time trying to like set up the backstory. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, before I, I, so why it's known and not known, it's my understanding that it's known because it's like, it has cult classic status. Uh, yeah. Not to mention, I believe it was pretty successful in theaters according to this. Yeah. It was pretty successful and it follows you know, a a popular character, which let me tell you this gut reactions. I felt Sean, like I was watching either the inspiration for, or I don't know which came first, or maybe they bit off of each other. Kind of felt like I was watching Duke Nukem. Yeah. I could see that a little bit. Yeah. The character from the 3d realms game, Duke Nukem of which Duke Nukem 3d is uh, very much rooted in my childhood um what a game but yeah with the one-liners and everything and i have i got thoughts on uh, the acting and the, some performances and you know i i got some more thoughts to share i don't want to like lump them all in and gut reactions maybe we sure. come come right back to it but as far as that that's why i think it's known or why it's not known let me think not known for me because i didn't know about it too much probably Maybe it didn't get a a wide release. Like maybe it wasn't as um, marketed as well. Like, yeah, I also think even to the lay person, there are certain directors who are household names. Like any schmuck has heard of Scorsese, but I feel like a lot of people don't know when they're watching a Sam Raimi movie or they don't know kind of how Sam Raimi started, unfortunately, Mm because I love Sam Raimi's work. Uh, but that's, I think that's part of why people who maybe love the original Spider-Man trilogy, maybe haven't seen the Evil Dead movies, kind of like your experience. And I have this to say too, I'm looking at the internet, little bit of, uh, weird history, the international film poster by Renato Cassaro. Have you seen that one? I don't know. Let me pull it, pull it up. I will say that, you know, it, it's sort of like my 
uh, Spider-Man two actually um, with the Sam Raimi Spider-Man two. Do you remember the scene in the hospital, right? When Doc Ock was trying to get his, the arms removed from him. Yes. And Raimi does a horrific scene in the operating room, which yep. I remember to this day in the theater appreciate. I'm not a big horror fan, but I was, I was like, I wasn't scared. I was, I was at the edge of my seat and I was like, I had a lot of anxiety, like watching what was going on in a good way. And I knew that it was doing its job. And then after quite a few rewatches, I said, okay, this, this is, this is Sam all the way. And when watching army of darkness, I do see a lot of stylistic yes. style, uh, style, stylistic choices, excuse me, <laughs> that uh, Sam puts into his movies, um, especially with the camera whips and, you know, the the huge, not rack focuses, but like the, the quick zooms, you know, the pull, yeah. pull in, pull out. Push-ins and yeah, all sorts, very dynamic camera work. Exactly. And and it's kind of cool to see that at, at its sort of like early stage and applied to a different type of story, you know. But yeah. going back to this poster, that international poster, <laughs> wow, that does not match the film I saw. And it's interesting that they didn't put that one out, uh, you know, in the States. But yeah. I think yeah. that, that that poster makes me feel like I'm going to watch an entirely different film. And it, it doesn't match. I will say that does not match. So, um, yeah, why it's not known aside from that, maybe the genre, right? Maybe a little genre like people didn't want to watch that type. A good number of people did, but some just didn't. I mean, I have to go back to 93 cinemas. Yeah. It's a little bit confusing as to what the movie is. Correct. Because it's not just like a straight up medieval spoof like Monty mm-hmm. Python and the Holy Grail. I was thinking Monty Python as well, by the you way. You know, it's it's more like an action movie that's kind of set in the you know medieval times but it's also like a spoof of action movies and like a spoof of characters who have these cheesy one-liners and it's like it's hard to place exactly you know like how do you market this movie it also feels like the if okay the the filmmakers if like yeah we're, we're just making a spoof it feels like in the journey of making their spoof they start getting carried away and they start making a movie and then they come out of that and they're like, oh, we, we got to continue this spoof. It's almost like they start taking themselves seriously and they start going somewhere and then it just hops right back into funny games. Right. Uh, but what, Sean, what was your uh, gut reactions and, and why do you think it's known and not known? Um, I mean, I still I still love it. This movie had an impact on me as a kid. I hadn't seen anything like it ever before uh, as one of the first R rated movies I had ever seen. I saw it as a double feature with my cousin, this and Super Troopers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this this one kind of stuck around with me more than Super Troopers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't know. I just it's not a perfect movie, but I can't help but love it. It's it's Raimi at his Raimiest. It's just a lot that works for me. But, you know, we'll get into later. What would it, what would I fix, et cetera? But, you know, gut reactions. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. For the gut reaction, can you can you name one of the things that worked for you in the a lot that worked for you? I like the brand of comedy for the most part. Okay, maybe the only comedic moment that didn't work for me was like the the moment with the little 
evil ashes. I was just kind of oh. like, ah, right. yeah, yeah. And I knew you wouldn't like that. Uh, but I was like, yeah, eh, I don't know. Yeah, all right. I didn't like it as much as in, in so much as I was like, I was thinking, wow, I was thinking, why are y'all doing that? Slash, why did you do that? You know, that kind of thing. And I don't know. Uh, it, it was it was kind of it was kind of hard to respect if that makes any sense um but uh the comedy style you mentioned it was i wasn't completely turned off but it was hard for me to continue listening i was feeling that the moments i was about to go out i came back in because it was sort of short it was kind of in, in short little cuts yep. um i feel like so uh why do you think it's known and not known I mean, I kind of went into this when when you were talking about it. It's, you know, it's a cult film. And uh, like I said, not a lot of people ha- know Sam Raimi or or I don't feel like he's taught in film schools. You know, he probably should be. But it's he's just one of those directors that gets overlooked, uh, even though he has a very clear style. Uh, he's definitely influenced people like Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright has even used the same DP, Bill Pope, and has, you know, kind of adopted his own camera work style that's that's very dynamic and, you know, moves around based on character movements and whatnot. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like people just aren't given the, uh, this movie isn't given the attention and the Evil Dead series in general. I didn't watch the remakes. Was there one or two remakes? Uh, Directed by uh, Fetty Alvarez. I don't know. I know that there's a series with Raimi and Bruce Campbell. Right. Yeah, I think it's just kind of kept this cult status and hasn't had a resurgence, really. Well, it's funny you mentioned Super Troopers earlier on your double feature. I, I, well, culty, I think it's almost a step above culty. You know, you get people that like, um, for example, Reno 911, you know, and, you know, Super Troopers, both, you know, silly, ridiculous cop shows, but they do have a pretty strong fan base. And sometimes those fan bases get super, super strong and they're just big enough to just kind of like be very well respected, but they're not maybe household names. And when you get to that level right under household names, you just sort of you just sort of stay in that uh, that rarefied air. And it kind of it kind of just lets you float there in in obscurity, yet appreciation for uh, fan appreciation. And that's what makes them great in their own way, I think. Uh, And that's why, like knowing about them, they're just like blips on the radar of this whole like Hollywood and film history and film like watching that we've done. Like I know I've known what this is, but it took me until this past week to watch it, you know, but I've always knew known. So, all right. Uh, Here's our shot list. Circle takes uh, best quote. Does it hold up? Weird history. How would you reboot this? What would make this better? Who used to be a theater actor? Nostalgia factor, non-white casting. Then we're going to get into our corners and some questionable questions. So, circle takes. Sean, take it away. What was your circle take or takes? Uh, my circle take is the initial scene at the pit because we get to see Ash in action for the first time. I love the moment when he's thrown down there. And, you know, seems kind of defenseless. And then in in slow motion, the wise man 
kind of like unfurls his chainsaw and it falls down the well, down the pit and just like perfectly like clicks onto his wrist. Uh, that's, you know, that kind of like stylistic filmmaking. That's like that's Raimi to a T. I, th- I feel like that scene really sticks out to me as like, all right, I'm watching a Sam Raimi movie and I know mm-hmm. it like right now. You're writing the camera as a viewer. Thank you. I think. Is that a compliment? I don't know if, if it's an observation or what. But uh. I see. I think it's an observation. That was one of my others. My first one was uh, the actual when he got sucked into the book and the SFX or the practical effects that they were trying to use to to illustrate that. And when he was being sucked by that humongous portal, I guess you want to call it. Uh-huh. I like when they sort of say, OK, I mean, back then we're talking ninety two dollars and filmmaking uh, ability. Right. What's what I got to tell you, though, is is what is it? Was it money or is it was it director choice to not go too crazy with the effects? Because sometimes I, th- I think I could see them saying like, no, let's make it practical and a little, you know, stop motion or, or claymation or whatever they used here. Yeah. Instead of saying or we could put some money into a CGI effect that might help this like look a little better. I could totally see Raimi saying like, no, let's keep it practical and let it look weird like that for whatever artistic purposes. Right. Because we know at this time there was, you know, basic CGI being done with mm. like Term- Terminator, Terminator 2 yep. and 91. But yeah, there's something, I don't know, charming about the, the practical effects. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like it. Yeah. So my second circle take was also your what well, was your first one. It was but in particular, that's why I said riding the camera. So when he's coming up with the arm or the nub to get the uh, chainsaw that's going to fall perfectly, what you see is I know because we we have a zoom being recorded right now is you see, you know, here's the one frame. So this is the frame. You get the arm going up and it's like a punch in while it's going. And then you get the uh, the chainsaw and that's another punch in while it's going. And then you get them connected and it just goes. And it's like it kind of carries like you're writing the camera that's going to take the copy and paste to the next thing. I like that about it personally. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, he did that in, again, the Spider-Man 2 scene with uh, in the operation room. Where, yeah. God, that thing is it, it's it's hauntingly beautiful, horrifically yeah. beautiful. And shout out to Raimi and uh, who's our DP, Bill Pope, because, man, that was that was something. Um, but yeah, my, my circle take was the, uh, the the books. I thought the books are kind of funny. I, yeah, at that the books point, are I was, funny. Yeah. At that point, I was like, uh, OK. This is silly, funny, stupid, but I'll, yeah, it's I'll, supposed I'll, to I'll be. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, okay. Best quote. I liked all the things that reminded me of Duke Nukem. Um, mine I, was uh, "Come get some," <laughs> and uh, even though it was stupid and silly, I something about it. Not too many people can talk like that. Yeah. They, like not too many characters can talk like that mm-hmm. and actors can deliver like that. So like when he said, um, give me some sugar, baby, it wasn't arrogant. It wasn't demanding and it wasn't commanding. It was almost as though he was saying to audience and not to the character. And something about that and the way his little one liners came off 
they were just shy of being cringe and like like oh like you know like i'm out type of thing but just yeah. but because they weren't they weren't heavy-handed i don't think tell me if you see any of any if, if you understand maybe of what i'm trying to say there because i wasn't like i think it's bruce campbell yeah you know, he's, i think you're saying like he sells the lines thank you yes I, I, he just he, he does a good job of selling them i think he gives a great performance for what's asked of him I think he gives like the perfect performance for what's asked of him. Now, are the are the lines like on paper heavy handed? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't th- I don't think most actors could say that and get away with it. Agreed. Quick question. So before you answer yours, did you um, while you were watching it, uh, were you questioning yourself like, damn, I wonder what he did in part one and two? Like, were you asking yourself like what one and two were about? No, because I've seen them now. Okay, and I I don't remember. I I think yeah. When I first saw it as a kid, I didn't even know there was a part one and two. Well, the reason I'm asking is because I it the his lines in general seem pretty thin. He just you know not too much like dialogue really for him. There's no. not too much weight in there, and I'm wondering. Did they lighten the load because one and two were so heavy, or or is one and two the same? For the character. Do you mean heavy in terms of dialogue or heavy in yeah. terms of like plot and story? Dialogue, you know, for character for a brew. What's uh, Ash? They might be about the same because a lot of it's him just like fighting off evil uh, possessed people or evil spirits in some way. So it's, uh-huh. you know, it's a lot of one liners and whatnot. OK, uh, what was your best quote? This one is also this kind of happens around uh, the pit. You ain't leading but two things now, Jack and shit. And Jack left town. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I love all the who wants some. Uh, yeah. This is my boomstick. <laughs> yeah. It's very hard to pin and, and identify exactly what kind of styles are going on here. They, they are a bit ambiguous. And I think that's on purpose. Yeah, um, because he's not like I don't I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't assume that Ramey and his brother were sitting there trying to make or design what a lot of people mistakenly, uh, the you know, that that moniker alpha male is uh, right. is being loosely thrown out there for the wrong reasons. But I guess the accurate attempt at identifying toxic masculinity but i don't i don't believe that that's what they were thinking about for what this guy was gonna be i think they wanted him to have elements of that yeah but he wasn't a full-blown asshole you know i mean i feel like watching it now versus watching it as a kid i do see him as more of an asshole and i don't know if you read about or heard about the original ending maybe i should just send you a youtube video of it original ending to this movie that we just watched yeah oh no tell me tell me so in the original ending he does like the process to get sent home wrong and ends up too far in time and it's like a post-apocalyptic world and he's like the only person left and so it's he's it just like ends with him like fucked over. OK. And you could find it on YouTube, like the original ending or whatever. But uh, I kind of I kind of like that for this character because 
in a way, it's like, oh, it feels like he kind of deserves this. You know what I mean? I would love to see that. And I, I, I like it better as it sounds than going back into the supermarket with the fighting a dead zombie chick. Like, what is that? That's, <sighs> that's what the studio wanted uh, to have, like, a happy ending. But in uh, a way, he's like still it's not like he's a god now that he's back in his rightful time. He's yeah. still, you know, he still works at a fucking department store. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Yeah. I'd like to see that other ending. Yeah. Let me, let me send you that. So I, I just watched the original ending that you sent me. I like it. I like it so much better. Um, even, even the line, um, I slept too long. That's good. <laughs> That's good stuff. Um, yeah. So oh, did, do you know for sure why that ending wasn't in there? Because the studio thought it was too dark. What? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. But I feel like it's a nice, uh, like, homage to the end of, what is it, Planet of the Apes, the first one, where, like, he sees the Statue of Liberty in the sand. Mm. You know, it's kind of got it's kind of got that vibe to it. Hmm. Well, I like it. I think they should have kept it in there. I mean, obviously, you can tell I'm not a, <laughs> not a huge fan of this movie altogether, but um, I like it. I'll work with it. Yeah. Uh, trying to be objective. You're, you're so. finding things that you like here and there. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. Now we got to ask, does it hold up? Does it hold up? Sean, go for it. For me, yes. For for the rest of the world, maybe not. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like we were talking about, a lot of the camera work feels very modern. Feels very like interesting and like rooted in character movements and character choices like the camera work is great some of the compositing on the special effects you know not so great like i was saying earlier this character ash is he's very jaded if you've seen the other movies because he's been through shit but i feel like there's there's still like you know moments of uh uh i don't know yeah, he probably didn't need to use the B word there. You know, there's like little glimpses of misogyny here and there, you know, that probably don't hold up very well. I think I think it, it's permissible when it's an evil bad person, unless he didn't use it with an evil bad person. Yeah, but a lo- I'm saying like a lot of the like possessed characters like in the pit, like in the castle, it always ends up being a woman. Which is like, okay, is this just an excuse to, you know, be able to do this? It's just kind of like, why is it, why is it all these like, quote unquote, hag characters? You know what I mean? Didn't they have a uh, uh, weird looking... Uh, you mean like the, the guy, the captain of the Deadite army? I don't know. It's some weird looking alien guy. Evil, evil Ash? Yeah, that's like evil Ash. Yeah, no, I, I caught that much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Klatu Barata Nikto. Yeah, does it hold up for me? Uh, eh. Again, if I was younger, I probably, uh, and if I even liked it back then, I probably would have had a bit more of a a connection to it. But I will say this. Uh, The original Star Trek films with with Kirk's crew, a lot of them are, they were big blockbusters in terms of like budget and how they were executed. Um, and, but they suffered from, um, practical effects limits. Yeah. And even with the most money that they could throw at them, they did really well. Now there's always been a part of me that says, 
I would love to see Star Trek six, the undiscovered country with like 10 million more bucks just on the SFX, like kind of like to redo them. But there's a happy medium of how we redo them Mm -hmm. because I know that, you know, there's modern CGI that looks too slick, right? It's too pretty. Yeah. And I, I can't rock with that. I like this shit that is, that was a step above practical and still looked pretty damn good, you know? Um, yeah. And I think I think with this, all you would have to do to like remaster the compositing is is because uh, when you have when you have like an, an effects shot and, and you put it over the original like shot or the background shot back then, they would they would use plates. And so like the background shot always looks kind of blurry or out of focus and so it, it it just looks off. But today we could just take the two shots and just put them over one each uh, over another in the in a computer, and they would they would match up a lot nicer, and there wouldn't be like the griminess of of the the visual effects overlay from back in the day. So it's like I feel like you could do something like that, and it's still faithful without like. All right, now we got to make a a CGI flying demon, and we got to make all the skeletons CGI. You know, it doesn't need that. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind that, basically. And and maybe, do you have a 4K? Did you watch it in 4K? I saw it on streaming. I didn't know if it was available in 4K. I I think I could only find it in HD. Well, I mean, it kind of held up. It was just a bit disjointed and wonky here and there, here and there. Um. So does it hold up uh, in a way for me, in a way, <laughs> in a way, um, yeah, story wise, I, I think you could tell that story a hundred different times and it be the same type of story, but it did leave me wondering a bit more about his world and how he lost his arm and where these evil people come from and why they're even there, you yeah. know, like, uh, kind of wouldn't mind learning more about the lore. Yeah. And a lot of critics liked the first two movies more and they are, you know, maybe better made per se, but this has a certain charm to it that I like. I appreciate the introduction, the Seanological introduction, <laughs> uh, which I've done with people before as well. Like I do appreciate you saying, Hey, watch this one first. Cause this is the way I saw it. And then, yeah, I might check out one and two in time yeah. and I'll let you know. Like show people Terminator two before Terminator one exactly or aliens, aliens before, before alien. alien yeah yeah that's that's allowed that's allowed here and and i'll tell you if uh, if you were right yeah uh, um so yeah it doesn't hold up aside from uh performance wise i think it's actually performance wise i think it does hold up because those characters are who those characters are yeah. uh you know if we were to analyze the critique the, the directing of it all i think it holds up well that 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 man has established himself as uh, a great director and, and he knows what he's doing. Um, and they told their, their story the way they wanted to. And that's, you can see that that's, that's, uh, respectable. It's admirable. I like it. Weird history. Weird John, history. I feel like, you know, much more about this than I do, but well, go ahead. Christian movie guide does not have a review <laughs> for this. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I did find a site called kidsinmind.com uh, that's all about, you know, showing your children a movie, you know, keeping the kids in mind. This uh, this has a uh, 
a sex and nudity rating scale from one to ten. <laughs> it only has a one though for some cleavage and some kissing. Violence slash gore a seven. Hmm. Some of the violence is intentionally comic, but it is graphic nevertheless, and there's plenty of gore. There are people and skeletons and latex monsters burned, shot with crossbows, blasted with a shotgun and bombs, and cut and decapitated with swords and a chainsaw. (laughs) The hero even saws his own hand off, then shoots and dissects his own clone, which has sprouted from his own shoulder. Okay, that was cool, by the way. (laughs) Killing your own clone? I don't know if the kids are ready for that, right? Jeez. And the, lang- oh, no, the language is a five out of ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that actually that happens in the second movie, I believe. Uh, uh. The language of five out of ten. One f word and other assorted profanities and name calling. Hmm. Discussion topics for your children. Let's let's. <laughs> it says, uh, talk about magic or being possessed by evil spirits. <laughs> wow. uh, and then it says the message of the film is you mustn't avoid. Your duty and responsibilities. A man's got to do what a man's got to do. Hmm. I could see that applying to this film. So that's that's the uh, that's the kids in mind review. We already touched on a little bit of weird history, like the title changes. This movie was uh, delayed because of an issue with uh, Silence of the Lambs. Like the studio was in a legal battle over the rights to the character of Hannibal Lecter. And so because mm. of that, like all of their movies got held back. The The Oldsmobile is actually Bruce Campbell's car. <laughs> when it falls from the sky at the start of the movie, it actually broke a crane, a 25 ton crane that, uh, that dropped it for the first time. The crane oh like accidentally fell over a cliff and the operator jumped out at the right moment. Jesus. <laughs> like, Yeah. Just wild stuff. So they had to get an 80 ton crane to drop the car. Where'd they shoot this thing? Uh, on sound stages in some parts, I think like some desert areas of California. There are four different cuts of this movie. Wow. U.S. theatrical, which is what okay. we just saw. Uh-huh. European theatrical director's cut, which is the one I originally saw as a kid. Uh-huh. And then a U.S. television cut. Hmm. Original script was 43 pages. Hey, that's pretty good. And then there's, uh, you know, cameos from, from Ted Raimi in this movie. As usually always. Yeah. Which As is usually good, always. Kind of a director trademark right there. Exactly. Was there uh, anything you uncovered that you found interesting? I read that originally his eye was supposed to have been gouged out. I yeah. guess instead of the arm, Bruce. Maybe, maybe Ash. yeah, maybe in addition to yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> in the original draft, Ash lost an eye. Uh, apparently, there was a microphone in his chainsaw. <laughs> I read somewhere that the whole all three movies can be seamlessly cut together, and people have done that. Oh, that would be that would be like what a five hour experience or something. Yeah, well, they were a bit. Apparently, they were made to be able to be seamlessly cut so that's kind of a cool thing kind of interesting working backwards in a way or reverse engineering yeah (laughs) the first deadite ash fights in the pit was known as the pit bitch to the casting crew pit bitch at 5607 one of the army of darkness shouts cry havoc and let loose the dogs of war yeah some shakespeare stuff in there yeah 
Yeah. Also, the the second movie was supposed to go back to the year 1300, but they oh they couldn't afford it, so that's why it didn't happen until now. Yeah, I can't. I'm just not. A, I just can't go so far back in time. Sometimes it's tough for me. I don't know why. I, <laughs> I wouldn't survive. Yeah, you can go uh, back. The far the farthest you can go back is 1955. Yeah. You know, maybe. any earlier in time, you're like. Eh, yeah. I don't know. I play with the Titanic. Um, Back to the Future 3, you're cool with that one? I'm okay with that one. Okay. Yeah. But any further um, than that, all right. Anything medieval-y, you know, like with knights and shit, yeah. I'm just What I'm is out. Back to the Future 3, 1885? Is that what 1885, it is? 1885, yeah. yeah. Uh, how would you reboot this? Um, I'll take this one away here. So I will say this in one of the things that did stand out or that I actually did like, and it was it was it was uh, uh, hindered by limitations of SFX at the time. Yeah. Or was it? That's mm. the question. That's why I asked that earlier about the directors could be budgetary. Yeah. So the skeletons, yep. the whole like the dead army. Yeah. I actually like that. Um, what I'm not sure if I did or didn't like was the personalities they gave all of them. Like, for example, like he'd come up to one and, and smack one and the guy would go, ah, you know, or, <laughs> or he'd get him like, come here, get out of the way. You know, and it's yeah. just that sort of, they all get like a, a, a one liner that is just kind of thrown away in dialogue to the side as they get beat up. Yeah. And it reminded me of, um, it reminded me of a few times I've saw skeletons. Like, you remember Mortal Kombat when Scorpion takes his mask off and he's a, a skeleton uh-huh. breathing fire at Johnny Cage? Yep. Yeah, that. And then um, kind of some alien inspiration, too, or just a, thoughts of alien, even though that's a xenomorph, like the what they look like, you know, evil-wise. Because uh, usually okay. when you take a, a skeleton, it, they always try to... I don't know if you noticed on in this movie... Some of them had like expressions on their skeleton on their yeah their skeleton. I like the idea of making skeletons come to life and and making them evil like that. But for example, you know, we already talked about the little mini ashes. Well, when he was going through, when he fell down and trying to get the books out, and you have all those little skeleton hands popping out, and they're just trying to like, you know, it's just it's cheap and cheesy to me the way that the skeleton like you know it's like it's got his skeleton mouth over over ash's mouth yeah and then he puts like one finger in there and it's like the the stakes aren't high enough for this i I just it doesn't it's like childish it's immature it just doesn't work for me i don't like that kind of humor for this guy and what he's going through i think if it was a bit more dire it would have been more interesting yeah but i like the skeletons i think they could have done a mix of it have you seen drag me to hell Sam Raimi's more recent horror movie? No. Okay. Because there's like a possessed dead woman spirit uh, that reappears. And like with that, like the the woman is just like shoving her like fist into the main character's mouth to like pull out her tongue and stuff, you know, stuff like that. This is like, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we could have we could have done that with the skeletons instead of like, you know. Trying to poke poke his eyes out, kind of like uh, yeah, is three that stooges, three stooges type vibe, you know? Yeah, it was literally ripped off from streaming. They were doing exactly what Mo and Shemp would do, right? So it's yeah. like you know, eh, could we go a little further, make it a little 
scarier i guess i don't know yeah can we make it a bit more serious just a bit because it's silly that that stuff was silly to me and it did this it wasn't it didn't even make me laugh a little it was just like okay move on <laughs> i'm sorry yeah but but i'm complaining because i actually liked the idea of these skeletons attacking him in the skeleton army they look cool that yeah. at times they did look cool even with the badass effects and, and compositing but still i still kind of like them i like the look you know yeah so yeah. i, I want to see that better you know like remember in the mummy when his army came back and they went running down the stairs and he commanded them mm-hmm. Do you remember that brendan fraser one yeah yeah those were all computer but they look pretty good i think that was a mix of computer and practical yeah but anywho uh how would you oh oh i didn't answer the question how would i reboot this i would just i would reboot this with the same story yeah Hell, even probably the same actor, same director. Just, I would tighten up the story. I would add a bit more of like a purpose to the journey and um, and spruce up the SFX some more. You know, I'm not telling you to tell me exactly what the whole thing is about, but just don't make don't make it look like I've just I'm just watching this guy. You know, like I kind of want to know what he because he doesn't he doesn't even really decide to learn anything until the end when when they're like oh you're just gonna leave you know um yeah but then it's yeah there's still like you said there's not like a clear arc for the character yeah i would like that as well and and like you said if they just went back and and redid it i feel like they're better writers now like their writing has gotten better you know the movie would just improve by itself we could jump into what would make this better and i i can i could say more well did you answer how would you reboot it yeah probably probably same as you like you know let's let's just do another crack at it i don't know it's like you know we could have a different type of person take on this role right uh, sure or a buddy give him a, a companion a partner or something yeah i don't yeah i don't know Okay, yeah, go ahead. You mean you were going to get into what would make this better? Yeah. So what would make this better, like, thinking about the arc of this character or or lack thereof? Like, what does he have to go back to in his present time? His life doesn't seem great. You know, maybe he he finds that he has, you know, friendship and, and love here in 1300 and decides to stay here. You know, maybe he learns to take part in this community instead of like pushing away from everybody and and just being a jaded asshole. I feel like there there could have been potential there. Yeah. To make to answer mine, uh, what would make this better is same Uh, more more backstory on this character of Ash and, you know, kind of who he is and how he got the way he was or or maybe a bit more illustration on what, if anything, he is trying to change or improve about himself because if he's unhappy with his time and and his current life and he's just a cynic well then share with us the types of adventures that you're sitting there fantasizing about that you wish you could get into and maybe get into them and uh, i'm sure that there's enough material out there to sort of develop that that uh, i guess ambition or that sort of pursuit uh for him but he it, it d- things just seem unclear. Uh, so, so I'd say that, or maybe, maybe pump up the love interest, or give him a buddy or a friend uh, to, or a guy kind of like an Al to to uh, Sam Beckett in uh, a Quantum Leap. You know, like a conscience. Yeah, um, 
even could have like kept around that uh you kind of seem becoming buddies with Henry the Red early on, but then mm-hmm. you know Henry the Red just goes away. Having some kind of character that he has rapport with in some way, who's kind of his lens into the year thirteen hundred, could be good. Who used to be a theater actor? Uh, definitely, definitely the rest of the, the medieval crowd. Yeah, I would like think everybody, I mean, almost, right? Almost all those guys have to be from theater. But we can go ahead and look up Bruce Campbell because I don't know if he's a theater guy. I I think he. I think he is. I'll just say he is. Yeah. Let's find out. I just I feel like if you're uh, an actor who's also British, you probably started in theater. You kind of got that classical training. Uh, he is from Michigan. He's well, it looks like he's only got movies under his belt. Yeah, he met Sam Raimi in high school and they started making movies together. Yeah, it doesn't look like. He's got any theater. Huh. He's got like an evening with Bruce Campbell at the Music Box Theater. Right. Which, yeah, happened after the fact. Probably doesn't count. There's a whole other Bruce Campbell that's listed in the Music Box Theater. Um, Yeah. Look like. uh, Looking like a no. Looking like a no for him. And Beth Davids, our female lead. I figured she did. And it looks like she did start in theater. So there you go. And Beth, uh, and Beth, what? Oh, she did. Davids, yeah, D A V I D T Z. Oh, and Beth. Uh, more, more is... recently, she was also on Mad Men. Ray Donovan, acting debut, stage production, Romeo Juliet. Yeah, yeah, she did open air theater. Boom. Yeah, you were right. You were right. So I feel like they're probably the Americans of the cast, for the most part. Yeah. I, and I think it's safe to say all the rest of these fools are definitely in theater. All these yeah. medieval medieval guys. Yeah, I know. I know. I was in theater. We know you were. Not that I'm British, but you know. Moving on, nostalgia factor. Um, I'll go first. <laughs> kind of covered this a little bit at the early on. I do not have a nostalgia factor, except that I can I can apply some some stuff here. Sure. I would like to have had a nostalgia factor to um, to having seen this earlier. Uh, I do remember walking by the cassette box plenty of times and never picking it up, but remembering it because it the artwork looked cool. It looked interesting. Yeah. And kind of wish that I that I did. And and. There were scenes in this film that I have seen stills of throughout the years when either some research is referencing this movie or some other movies referencing this movie. I can finally say that's where that still is from. And that's that's kind of a nice little nostalgia um, being solved, I guess. The other nostalgia factor was on the shot style and the that era had a particular feel to it, a particular look. The grain on the film looked wonderful. And it's kind of like these just just very large white shots, if that makes sense. You know, this um, full frame, like um, immersive sort of camera, if, if I'm making any sense. But it, it it's. It's of that era and it's beautiful and I do like that. So that that gives me a bit of nostalgia for that time. Yeah, I feel like with some of those wide shots and whatnot, it was like throwing back to like Lawrence of Arabia or like Mm -hmm. biblical epics. 
especially like the the opening of the movie where we just see him in chains. It feels like it's kind mm-hmm. of referencing stuff like that. Man of La Mancha. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so my, my nostalgia factor is a little limited, but 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 that's it for me. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, like I said, this is this was one of the first rated R movies I ever saw. I saw it in the basement of my cousin's stepdad's house. I don't know. And so there's like there's already a thrill to it because it's like, okay, my parents don't know that I'm watching this type of vibe. And then it was just like so magnetic. Like, I feel like Bruce Campbell on the screen is like so magnetic and it was just so funny to me. I don't know. I don't think I had seen any movies that kind of had this like slapstick style that's also feels kind of like adult in a way, if that makes sense. Like I hadn't seen any like Ace Ventura or like. You know, movies where it's like, oh, that's where as a kid, you're like, that's bad, but I'm laughing, you know. Mm -hmm. So this was kind of like that kind of first experience where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to be watching this, but I'm enjoying it. But yeah, over the years, kind of like watching it again. And I think as a kid, like you kind of idolize Ash. But now I'm like more removed and kind of, you know, like I've said, he's, he's probably not someone you want to idolize. He's not this character, this person that you want to be. I see it in a, in a different perspective now where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm not laughing with him as much as, as I'm laughing at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To touch on something you said, I, I, there was uh, out of, out of the, just, just for the landscape of being um, our age in the nineties, I guess we could say that. So this was 92, 93, just for yeah, so we'll 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 kind of set this up between elementary and middle school as as young young kids in the uh, in the South. Well, slash just young kids. Period. Yeah. I think every young boy had like a like. It's funny that you said the idol thing. All of us had different idols, and a good mix of them had the same idols. But then you'd hear about like a crew of guys or or kids you went to school with who were maybe in the ash like um, idol scene, you know, like if if me and these guys were uh, Stallone, Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis yeah. and and these kids were a few wrestlers, you know, on like WWF. Right. And then some of these kids were ash and maybe, um, you know, your who's that guy? There's another ash type character out there. But I. I like you. I still respected those kids and their idols. I just didn't know anything about them. And I was kind of curious about them. So there was this odd like little boy respect towards other little boys. As long as they sort of had a maybe an idol or a hero, you kind of were you're like, oh, oh, yeah, that's uh, Sean. Like, yeah, he likes Ash and stuff. Yeah, it's that movie. You know, the movie Ash, Evil Dead. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They like that. Cool, cool. You know, and I would I did come across that with other films. I just can't think of any off the top of my head, but I did come across other circles that liked other things. And you sort of threw out the respect because you just didn't know enough about it yet or you knew enough about it to say, like, yeah, he seems cool. Yeah. Like you're saying, like uh, you could kind of tell what posters were on the wall at home. Right. There you go. Yeah. And there was sort of like a mutual like kid respect for who these other guys were before we even got a chance to check them out. Not white casting. I think uh, this is a good film for this shot. Yeah, I had I had this thought yesterday. I was like, who could play this role 
this kind of like, uh, you know, winking to the audience. If you made it at the same time, cast Eddie Murphy. <laughs> wow. Okay. Because I don't know. It'd be cool to see him in like this kind of like action fantasy type thing. Huh. Okay. You know, we we know he can do action comedy already. Uh-huh. Beverly Hills cop, you know. I don't know. For some reason, I was like, yeah, maybe Eddie Murphy would be good. I'm thinking more Keenan Ivory Waynes. That's what I would put in there. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I think he would fit this because he's he has that stature and that that uh, those character traits about him. Yeah. <laughs> and he knows how to play the comedy or maybe even like a Sean Wayans, uh, but an older Sean Wayans at that time, he would have been too young. Uh, but that's uh, <laughs> I think that would be funny if you're if you're going to do that. Who would be your female choice if we went female? Um. It's mm, a good question. It's a good mm-hmm. question. I don't know why the one of the first thoughts in my head was Whoopi Goldberg, but <laughs> uh, I would have loved that. Yeah, that, that for the for the time, definitely. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about Cheech in the lead role? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Carl Weathers. Uh, yeah, yeah, because he was so unused back then. He just wasn't used appropriately. Um, but yeah. Definitely him. Or what if, what about maybe taking the non-white casting out of it for a second and saying like, what, what about a, a, an alternative Bruce Campbell or uh, Ash that was, had like a Conan O'Brien-esque uh, humor about him or comedic style. Yeah. Uh, mixed with, uh, with like what Bruce was trying to put off. I wonder what that would have been like. I don't think there were any other casting choices for him. I think because Raimi and him had right. a relationship, there wasn't anyone else. And he was already the star of the previous two. So it just kind of made sense. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, like we kind of touched on earlier, Jim Carrey, he, he kind of gravitates towards this kind of comedy. Even even yeah. in recent movies now with like the Sonic the Hedgehog movies, Dr. Robotnik definitely has this vibe. I'm standing with uh, Keenan Ivory on this on the for the non-white. Yeah. But for alternative, I would also say I, I'll give you Jim Carrey. Um, maybe. Maybe. I would maybe cons- well see like his nemesis is himself as a as a dead guy. I almost wish it was someone else. You know, just to give it more robust. I mean, it it is played by a different guy underneath the prosthetics. Really, I thought it was him. Still, nope. Didn't know that. Yeah, I guess I guess Jim Carrey has never Jim Carrey's never gotten buff for a role, right? Like I feel like uh, I don't think so. You know, I feel like Bruce Campbell had that stature at the time. You know, that kind of he kind of had a little bit of an action hero build to him. Yeah, kind of a wonky, wacky Indiana Jones. Yeah, exactly. A little bit. Uh, but yeah, the rest of non-white casting. I mean, yeah, re- redo the whole film. <laughs> we, this uh, this film has uh, plenty of candidates for uh, for uh, non-white casting. I don't think there was a single person of color in this, was there? I don't think so. What about Billy Billy D. Williams as the lead? Uh, oh no, I know about that one. <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> Might have to come back to you there. <laughs> I'm sticking with Keenan Ivory Wayne's. All right. I like that. I like that. Okay. Moving on to the uh, corners. Moving on. 
you want to begin with producers? Yeah, you know, uh, producing wise, I, I I paid attention to one thing that was sort of first on the screen, very early on the screen. Dino De Laurentiis, uh, very famous uh, producer of films at the time and of our time and in Hollywood, he he was a part of this, yep. you know, or he produced the damn thing. Yep. But he also produced a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. Just a lot. A lot of output. Um, exactly. And because of that, I feel as though they were able to get uh, quite a bit of, you know, uh, clearing of the runway to sort of do what they wanted to do. And although it did also feel like a Dino De Laurentiis film, I I. I don't maybe I don't have enough context for that, but it was yep. uh, absolutely of the time. And I wonder if any, how much he how much input he may have had into. Well, like, you know, with the ending, like what yep. if he was the one that said we need this other ending? Um, but I guess for more creative producing uh, or production wise, looking at it, it's a feat for sure. It's definitely a feat. You got to hire like somebody, you uh, uh, production specialist, you know, to look over the the SFX and the stop motion and yeah. um, just all of that right there. It, it's a lot. Um, that's why that's why I asked earlier if it was shot on a soundstage or you know where. Uh, I think that if they limited it to a soundstage in like one open wild open wide open location either in a desert or a, the forest or something yeah. uh you have a bit more control over your environment and um because of that it kind of gives you more flexibility to to unwrap the story and to tell the story and you're not really limited by by other things so you kind of wonder if again we don't know but if they did shoot out in the wide open and they and they was still a big mess Gotta wonder why. It makes me want to watch a featurette of this. Um, but I mean, hey, they had the right type of producer, at least. You know, you had to put a movie together and you had to get it out there, distributed. Yeah. And, you know, shout out to Mr. Dino. So um, that's that's all I got for producer's Dino corner D. on this. Dino D. Yeah. Stepping into the director's corner. I might need to rewatch the director's cut of this movie if I can track it down. Because I. I I don't think I saw it streaming anywhere digitally, but I wonder, you know, how much was changed besides putting the original ending back in. I don't know. Maybe it'll, maybe it just feels different, but, uh, and we touched on this a lot, but I just still want to say, I love the Raimi style that we see in this movie. Is it style over substance? Probably. Yeah. But it's, it's just still enjoyable, but it's not, I don't feel like it's, like I said, I watched Drag Me to Hell last night and the tone shifts in that are, are much, much more well done than in this. And I feel like, like you said, you can have like serious moments in a comedic movie or like horrific moments in this movie because it, it is a horror trilogy, right? Because Drag Me to Hell, a lot of like the horrifying stuff that happens is kind of funny. But I also was like having nightmares last night because of that movie. I didn't. I don't have nightmares Jeez. from watching this movie. You know. Oh my. So it's just a, just kind of a difference in the. Because I feel like I've seen a, most of Sam Raimi's movies now, so it's cool watching how an artist develops over time, and that we have access to all of this. We, we can see the original vision as they intended all of it. Like 
that's that's one thing that I love about movies is a lot of them, you know, they're still out there. You can access them. You can watch them. That's kind of that's kind of my corner, the gist of it. Uh, I did have another thought just now, though. Maybe this is a, a rebooting thought. What if uh, reboot it with a queer Ash? Like, I don't think I've seen a lot of like action movies where like the love interest is like a queer relationship or something like that. I don't know. I think it could work for this because there is like there is like a certain the subculture around this movie kind of uh, has overlaps with the queer community anyway. So I don't know. Have you seen have you seen any movie you can think of that's like an action movie where like, okay, but, you know, it's a all right. The love interest is another man or something like that. Uh, I think there was there was one with um I think it was called Super with uh, Re- uh, Rain Wilson. Oh, James Gunn's uh, Super. Yeah, I think there was there was some element in there that either touched on it or spoke about it. Although I could be mixing that up with a different one. I, I have to double check, but I think I've seen it um, here and there. It's not too highlighted. There's actually something else recent that they did something like that. Let me think here. Yeah. I feel like if it has happened in the in the in the like the distant past, a lot of time it was like played as a joke, you know. Well, no, not not always. The uh, um, this may not be an action. It's it's a show. It's a TV show. But uh, in what was that? What was that one? HBO, the 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 Wire, um, the character Michael K. Williams's character. His name wasn't Birdie. It was Omar. Omar. Yeah, Om- Omar's coming. character. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was as badass as uh, yeah, he's badass. Uh, Ash was here and gay, which is really cool. Yeah, and he didn't. Yeah, he didn't. They didn't um, exploit it in a in a funny way. Uh, yeah, so they just kind of like let it be. And then there's there's been rumors that some characters in major pictures that we've seen were supposed to have that 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 trait, and it didn't develop, or those scenes were shot and they just cut them. So who knows how many characters have been ready for it. They just hadn't uh, or, or there's a version out there that we just haven't been able to see. Yet. Yeah, I'd be curious to find out what those are. Questions, questionable questions. My only question to you is if you were Ash and you were cynical about where you were and what you were doing. Yeah. Why would you want to come back? Slash the question is, would you stay after having defeated that monster pit guy? And you're sort of you're sort of the leader of everyone now. Yeah, I would stay like, uh, yeah. Why wouldn't he stay? Because isn't, you know, his love interest is like back to normal, right? She's not dead. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, why would. Yeah, of course. What would you do? I think I'd still try to go, but I would cons- I would have seriously considered staying. It would have been a thought. It, there would have been a scene where I hesitated and thought about all the pros and cons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot, I guess there's, if you really think about it, then you have to think about all of the, like, uh, everything that's like built into that, which is like all the colonialism and like, all right, do these people own slaves? And like, you know, you gotta, you gotta think about, uh, what you're okay with in their society. Right. But if you're, if you're established, there is this leader with power True. you can use that power to, to end that stuff and not, not be challenged. Make the you rules. Know, so in a way. Yeah. You're sort of changing things with fear, simultaneously instilling better ethical 
beliefs and morals, yet you're wielding it with this fear. So you just, I think you just kind of have to carry that big stick and make them keep them afraid of you for a while yeah. until so many years pass by. And you're like, okay, you see, this is why that wasn't good. I'm going to leave this alone. I'm not going to hurt any of y'all right. because I don't want y'all to be afraid of me. I was using one bad to write another. Yes. <laughs> um, and then you'd have to hope that they don't like kill you anyway or something. Yeah. I could see that. It's a tall order. It's it tough. Is. It is. You ready for my question? I'm ready. What would the evil version of you be like? Evil Chris. Describe to me that person. Damn. You talking about his his evil version, his evil skeleton that he was fighting? Exactly. Well, because it's, you know, it it came out of his like shoulder. And so he's got this like evil clone of himself. What well, what would your evil self be like? You know, I think my evil self would would either be fat and gluttonous or selfish and and uh, ambitious, I think, or selfish with ambition. Yeah. Yeah. Because assuming that all evils, evil versions of one's selves are going to be wanting to kill and rule, then. I mean, there's your answer. Yeah. It's going to be me that wants to kill and rule. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's just an evil version of myself that sort of flips my own script, my own personal narrative, yeah. man, maybe he would, like I said, he'd be gluttonous. He'd be a fat motherfucker. He'd be eating <laughs> everything. Um, and he would probably, he'd probably like, he'd probably steal, you know, he'd go and like, He'd probably rob a bank without wanting to kill anybody. He'd just do it just to see if he could do it. Yeah. And it would just be a it'd just be a hot mess. <laughs> just running around trying to trying to get to Mexico or trying to get to a beach in Jamaica. All right. Like John Candy and cool runnings <laughs> and I think he would just be a sloth. He just wouldn't be a good member of society. He would just want to be lazy. And revel in the laziness. And I think that is evil because it's evil towards what we should all be in society as humans. Right. It's all it's all your like worst impulses. Right. Thank you. That's exactly it. That's the short answer. Yeah. All my worst impulses. Boom. Yeah. My my evil me. It's just me without anxiety. That's evil. Yeah. If I didn't have anxiety. Yeah. I'd probably just be evil. Huh. How evil. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm afraid of. You know, if uh, I didn't have these voices in my head holding me back, I don't know. It'd be dangerous. Well, I'm glad they're there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I guess, I, you know, I'd have a goatee probably and uh, yeah, I'd probably just hang out with your evil self. <laughs> we'd, just, yeah. we'd just both be on the couch watching movies and shit and and then we'd rob a bank once in a while and then we'd go back to the couch well i'd go to the beach remember oh right right so right you, right you can come to the beach and put a couch there yeah couch on the beach that's a great idea yeah, shout out to mr ramey where we'll be able to continue going back on what you said of of his you know watching his development and just seeing him thrive in um Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness yeah, coming out. Which is probably, out probably already out by the time you're listening to this. Yeah, uh, but we'll be seeing that soon, so that'd be exciting. Yeah. And yeah, join us on our next one, RoboCop 2, next on Circle Takes. We'll see you around.
We'll see you over and out.